You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm just going to jump into it this morning. I just encourage you to not flip through your Bible, but just listen uh, as we read 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we were beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God making His appeal through us. And we are ambassadors entrusted with this message of reconciliation. I've had this on my mind for the last few days, this this phrase of God making His appeal through us. That's a profound and very final statement. He does not have a plan B of who He will appeal through to the rest of the world. It is you and only you. And we are ambassadors entrusted with this message of reconciliation. Ambassador, someone who is sent to a foreign land as a representative of their home country. But what would happen if an ambassador speaks on their own accord? Probably not anything good. Not anything good. If an ambassador was sent, just sent from America to a foreign land, and then they started saying what America wants them to do without ever checking with us, it's like, yeah, we're good with that, or no, we're not good with that. Just started doing their own thing, speaking of their own accord. And here in this passage, we are told that we carry this title of ambassador, but we also carry the message, and it hasn't been, it has been entrusted to us to bring this message to the rest of the world. And we read all over Scripture those chosen to represent God in a matter and deliver a message from God. Okay, so let's look in Exodus. It'll be on the screen in Exodus chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 1. We're going to read um, the whole chapter, so just hang in with me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom, 
and on your bed and into your houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, thank you. I've got markings through that one. I guess I didn't like that word. Just bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let your people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow. Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs, as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses and country yards, courtyards, sorry, in the fields, and they gathered them together in the heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So bring on the other one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats and all the land of Egypt or flies. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. And the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now the fourth plague, the flies. And just to summarize, he rose up early and he presented himself to Pharaoh again. And he speaks to him again. He brings this message from God again. Let my people go that they may serve me. And it comes with this promise of what will come if you do not honor what you said you would do in the first place. And he's not playing with him anymore. And Pharaoh again pleads with Moses and with Aaron that this would cease. That this, this would stop. That what is being the plague that has come upon Egypt would, would cease. And in this he says, I again, in verse 28, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must go and not very far away. And he's telling him to do this so that these would go away. And he's saying at the promise of these leaving, your people will go free. But in 32, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Now, this continues and continues and we know the story. But what I want us to recognize first is not not recognize the fact that Pharaoh was at one point in time the brother to Moses. He grew up with him. He was raised with him as one of their own. So that's already got to be a little bit tense coming in there. Because the last time Pharaoh saw him, 
he was one of his own. And now he's coming associated with a new people and a new God demanding this of his brother. That's got to be awkward. And then he's continuing to speak that if you don't do this, this will come. If you don't do this, this will come. If you don't do this, this will come. Now, can you imagine going to someone that you live with, that you've known, that you've grown up with, that you've cherished memories with all of your life, and they're doing something the Lord doesn't want them to do, and you go to tell them, and you tell them of the consequences, and the consequences come, and then you go back again and again and again and again, continuing to tell them of what will happen if they do not do this. Can you imagine a more difficult and uncomfortable situation in which you are called to be a messenger for God. And I would tell you that there are not many people on the earth today that call themselves Christians that could handle a situation as difficult as this and continue to be a messenger. What they would immediately do is we would begin to tailor the Word of God, that it would be more suitable to the ears that we're delivering it to, that the reaction, that the uncomfortable circumstance would be a little bit less severe, that maybe we would be a little bit more protected in it because we tailored, tailored what the Lord had given us to say directly. Or just, and now just think about this, if that's what Moses had done. No, I'm not going to say that. Or the Lord saying, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, that they may worship me. And he says, okay, and he turns around and he immediately says, hey, I need a few of these people to be released, that they would worship God. Now, can you imagine the story of what happens if Moses is not faithful to be the messenger God has asked him to be? That's all he is. He's a messenger. He's an extension of the voice of God to Pharaoh. But can we imagine the story if the messenger was disobedient? He delivered it over and over again. It had to be tense and it was uncomfortable. And these, you can't, these are not people that Moses didn't know. These are people he did life with. They took him in when they didn't have to. They raised him when they didn't have to. And he had this high standing when he didn't have to be anything but a slave. And now he's, he's the messenger for these terrible things that are happening to them. Because they're not listening, but still, he's having to continue to be the messenger in this instance. Now look at 1 Samuel 16. Verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long, <coughs> excuse me, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take your heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to, sa to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. 
So the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Then the son, then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made, his, made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all, are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, same question. What would have happened if Samuel had... He, he got the message he's going to anoint the king and then he stops immediately listening to God when he sees this first son that just fits it. Man, he looks like a king. And boom, God shut off. Don't worry, I got it. I'm going to anoint this one over, over his people. He's going to do this one thing of his own accord. And then we don't have this moment with David. And then, who came from the line of David? The Savior of the world. Now that, that's, I'm not saying that none of this happens. But it's a simple question that we don't ever reflect on of what happens if the messenger does not deliver the message. Very simple. With a profound outcome, if the messenger the Lord has chosen does not deliver the message that He has been given. These are examples of ambassadors with a message. Representatives of God with a message to those they're called to go to. And we have been called in the same way, except our message is the message of God reconciling the world to Himself. It's not for a family. It's not for an individual. It's not for a nation. It's for the world. And we have been given a message and it is the only message to be given for the rest of uh, our days here on earth, the rest of earth's time before the Lord comes back. This is the only message that we have been entrusted with to give, that we would be those that bring the ministry of reconciliation. That message is God has, is seeking to reconcile you back to Himself because all things were made for Him by Him. That they would know that Jesus did not die for those that were predestined. He died for those alive, dead, here on this earth. For those that have been on this earth from the time of the sacrifice to those that will be here till He comes back, they have all had this sacrifice made for them. There is not a sin on this earth, there is not a sin that has been committed or ever will be committed that has not been forgiven. Your choosing Christ does not then allow the sins that you've committed and will commit to be forgiven. That's not that. Sin has been dealt with. It has been forgiven. Your choosing of Christ gives you power and authority over it. Your choosing of Christ allows for you to become this clean vessel that the Spirit of God could fill you and you could operate in the fullness in which He has created you to operate in. That you could be restored and reconciled back to Himself as Adam was when he took his first breath in the garden. Connected to God. Completely and totally connected to God. That is the message that we have been entrusted with. 
Now, have we heard it from God and turned to the rest of the world and delivered that message? And that's our issue. God is making His appeal through us. No one else, and there's not going to be anybody else. The words that He has spoken in this house, He is making His appeal through us. So what are we to do with this word? Being messengers and ambassadors. But what we have done, what we have seen, done for so long, is that we have tailored it when things start to get difficult. This is tough. I don't know that I want to deliver this word that's very clear and concrete from God. Maybe, maybe, maybe if, if you don't choose Jesus, you'll get... I'm sure there's a way into heaven. Because he, he loves you. He just loves you. If you reject the Son of God, you cannot go to heaven. It's clear. Is that always a comfortable thing to say? No. And I'm not speaking from... Uh, an outsider's perspective, I don't really know what that's like to tell somebody that doesn't love Jesus that, hey man, you're not going to get there without Him. The only way to the Father is through Him. I've had plenty of encounters, plenty of people, that it's like, no, this, this frolicking through the daisies thing is not, that's not the reality of it. It's a beautiful and a wonderful life, but you have to choose it. And you've been made for it. It's the easiest thing you can do when you choose what you've been made for. But you have to choose it. It is a decision that we have to make, right? That's the message we have to bring. But we see so often in the church, no, 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 well, maybe not. You can live a life of sin and not choose Jesus, but if the music makes you feel nice, there's probably somewhere in heaven for you. Nah, uh-uh. It's not how it works. That's not how it works. We've tailored the message. We have been caught in Christian culture tailoring the message that it would be more comfortable for us to deliver and that there would be more of a gray area, less black and white, more gray, so as to prevent ourselves from offending anyone or hurting anybody's feelings. Now, that is not the desire of Christ to offend or to hurt anyone's feelings. But it's... Not why he goes into things, but if you remember the story of Jesus in the three years of his ministry, I think he offended a lot of people. But because there was black and white truth, this is who God is and this is his heart for his people and this is the reality of the scripture you've misunderstood for many years. And this is what it is. And a lot of people were offended in the outcome of that. I, again, have been consumed by this thought, by this, by this phrase in, in 2 Corinthians, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. He is making His appeal through us. That is such a final statement. There is nothing else coming. It is you right now. The words that have been delivered week after week, month after month, year after year in this house that you have heard have been for you to deliver to the world around you because there is not another one of you and this time only exists right now. These days will not repeat themselves. The Lord is not in, in the pattern of going back to start over. Continuing to move forward. So we're either a part of what He's doing or we're not. 
We're either taking the word he's given and delivering the message of ministry, this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to himself. We're either doing that or we're not. God is making his appeal through us. He chose us to bring the message of salvation to the rest of the world. He chose us. He chose us to bring a message of kindness. He chose us to be those that would go out and meet those seeking to return home, those prodigal sons and daughters. He spoke that so clearly out of this passage, the prodigal son. He said, this is what I'm calling this church, this house into. The people that hear this word are being called into this right now that they would no longer wait for those to come in. They would go out to find those seeking to return home. But here's the thing. Here's the difference between that story. In the prodigal son's story, did he know where home was? Yes, he had lived there before. Does an orphan know where their home is? No. We talked about it last week. We've seen generation after generation after generation of people stumbling and stabbing through the dark. But the thing about being light is we see through the dark. And we can see where they are. We can see where they're stumbling. We can see how they're lost in the field and we can go to them. They're not coming to us. They're looking for us, but how can you look for something you've never seen? How can you look for a place that you've never been? With no direction, no understanding of where to even start, how can you begin to look for that place? But they are looking. But the thing is, is we know what they're looking for and we carry it and so we can see them clearly and we can run out to meet them. As they're lost, wandering through the wilderness, we can go to them and meet them and clothe them with truth and righteousness and that has been the message that God has entrusted to us. He has entrusted that to us. That we would go, the prodigal sons and daughters that are at this moment still operating as orphans, that we who have been found could go and find them and bring them home, that they would no longer operate as orphans any longer, but that they would offer, operate as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. But we have to go to them first. He has entrusted to us the message that brings the orphans home. God making His appeal through us. So what appeal from God is the world seeing in us? What message from God is the world hearing and seeing from us? Is it the message God gave or one we have made? Is it one of silence? One of a routine. I, I a very interesting conversation um, this week about pastors, and I, I am paid to do this, and I am grateful that I am paid to do this. But the stance I've heard from someone is that the pastor. And they didn't, I don't think they realized that this is what they were thinking, but he's, he's paid to do this stuff for me. I pay him that he would sit in my seat and do the work the Lord has called us to do for me. Kind of just like, well, I tithed. I'm good. I don't have to do it because that's why the pastor's here. Like that, no. That's one guy. That's not, that's not his job to do it alone. It's not it. 
to hear clearly the voice of God because that's what He's been anointed to do, that He could bring it to you, that He could show us the way, the steps in which we are to be led and to move and to go. But the thing is, is how can one man hold a hundred people's hands, get them up to the front, and then start, start moving forward? No, it's, we've looked at the church as almost a daycare, spiritual daycare. You come in, I've, I get dropped off, you kind of take care of my needs, I get snack time, then I get to go home. You don't get a snack in this daycare, boy. <laughs> but this is not spiritual daycare. This is this great and miraculous and beautiful thing where we actually have an opportunity in a country to come. Look at this building. This thing is fascinating. I've been to Mexico where their, their stuff is held. They, they, are, they are putting stucco to pallets that are just run through rebar, and that is their wall. And they are like, check this place out. Isn't it cool? Like, I'm confident that if I step right there, the whole thing goes down, and I go with it. And they're praising God. They're, oh man, you better watch out. They're not quiet about it. They're loud, and they're getting after it. And they're in this tiny little shoebox of a building. And a lot of people are angry at them for doing it. There's a church in Mexico that we went to the last time. We're on either side. I don't know. I have a new understanding because we purchased a place with a guy that owned pigs. I have a new understanding of what it takes to raise a pig. They're disgusting. I want no part in it. Now imagine going to a third world country and your church is in between two pig pens in a place where they cannot afford to feed themselves. It's powerful smells. And these people are praising God, grateful to just be in that place. And they're rejoicing. There's this understanding. I'm not talking about being grateful for just this, but I'm talking about being grateful for the fact that we can gather in a building together. Because we are going to leave this place, and there are some of us that will not see each other again until next Sunday. That's okay. It's part of it. We're going in a million different directions. And it's a wonderful and a beautiful thing. But when we get to be together, there should be no time wasted in here. This should be such a celebration of what God is doing, what He's done. But it cannot be that if it is seen as this place where I go, I get a little bit of snack, I get to play with my friends for a second, then I go home. Not spiritual daycare. That is what we see in the majority of churches in our country, unfortunately. is a spiritual daycare. That cannot be this place. Because I do not know of another place that has said it will be one of four pillars to hold up this move of God that we are currently in. I have not ever heard of another church that has been called to go out to find and anointed to find the prodigal sons and daughters who are lost and wondering but seeking so desperately to find their home. A home they've never seen, a home they've never encountered. I don't know of any other place that has been anointed for these things. But I know this place has. But it hasn't been anointed that we would encounter it and experience a little bit of it on a Sunday. It's been anointed that we would encounter it and we would live in it Monday through Saturday and then we'd get to celebrate all that we've seen in those days on this day. Because we're here together. Celebrating together in this place, this beautiful place 
where we get, to, we get to play on these wonderful instruments and praise God for all that He's done. And praise God for what has happened when we brought clearly the message He entrusted to us. This message of kindness. I'm telling you, the message of kindness is getting a hold of this community in a way I could not have ever comprehended. But there is so much more to do. There is so much more to do. And there are so many of us that need to be involved in this because there is just far too much for one person or five people or ten people or twenty people at this point to do. I'm telling you right now. It's too much to be done. We can't change the Spirit over this place until the Spirit that reigns over us is changed. It has to be the Spirit of God who's clearly given us this message and we have to go ready to speak it boldly, black and white, clearly, and do whatever He's called us in to do and be whoever He's called us to be now. Because God is making His appeal through us. I'll never forget when Randy brought this word talking about the minutes that we have left when he just talked about the reality of of recognizing how many minutes he has left with his wife. And you look at it and you're like, that's not, that's not very much. Like, that's a comprehensible number. That's not a lot of time. But God has chosen these people whose life He has said is but a mist in comparison to eternity. One squirt of the Febreze bottle and then it's gone. He has chosen those that are but a mist to make the appeal to the rest of the world. What time does a mist have to waste? Absolutely none. And I want you to be encouraged this morning because I don't know if there's those that feel unqualified for this because I don't remember seeing in this passage where it says those who are qualified, God is making His appeal through them. You are so unique. You are so significant in what you bring to the table. No one else for the rest of eternity can bring to the table. Because there is only one of you and there will only ever be one of you. And God has chosen to make His appeal to the rest of the world through you. A beautifully unique appeal to the rest of the world. So I pray that that would get a hold of us. That we would tell of His love for those around us. That we would be those that would bring this ministry of reconciliation to the orphans. That they would come back home come to a home that they've always been made for, that they were created for, but they've never seen. A home, can you imagine, being made for a place that you've never encountered? Being, being made for someone you've never met. That's the reality of those prodigal sons and daughters. They are orphans right now, but the Lord has called us, we would bring this message that they are adopted now. Made for and by Him. But again, the most significant part of that story was that the father left to run out to the son. So we must leave to run out to them. And I'm telling you, you're probably not going to have to go very far. Just a few steps and you'll run into somebody that needs this ministry of reconciliation, that needs this message. But when you get there and it becomes difficult or it becomes inconvenient, does the message change? Or do you continue to speak it faithfully as God has given it to you? Because think about your own story and what would have happened if somebody tailored the message because you were being a little bit difficult. 
There are, my parents are here today. There are moments where I was having a hard time with the Lord. I can recall many of them, and I just didn't like God at some points in my life. And it, my mom would look at me like, you're about to get a whooping if you speak about my God like that again. It's like, oh, the message hadn't changed. It was very uncomfortable, but I'm a grown man. I'm about to get spanked in the kitchen. She didn't falter because the message didn't change, though. Who her God was is who her God was, period. I was going to be about it or I wasn't. But I definitely wasn't going to disrespect him in front of her. The message never changed. And those profound moments that were incredibly uncomfortable changed my life. Because I saw a glimpse, I saw an accurate message spoken directly from God and his heart for me to my heart. That's what we get to do. That's what the, it's, can you imagine a greater honor of being someone God has said, I will make my appeal to the rest of the world through you. If you believe in God and you believe He is this way maker, He sent His Son to die, He created the heavens and the earth by simply speaking. And I don't even know if that's all. I think He just, He was just thinking. Maybe a sunrise and boom, there it was. I mean, just... It, it hasn't stopped being created. The universe has not stopped expanding since He spoke it into existence. And that God has chosen you, this mist, to make His appeal, to reveal His heart to the world around you until you're gone with Him. Can you imagine a greater honor? If you believe those things to be true about God, then you have to recognize that this appeal He is making through you what a profound honor that he would use you to tell somebody else that they are loved by him. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.